0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Captain. Yes, sir.
1: Tell them we wish to board at once.
0: With all due respect, the ambassadors for the Supreme Chancellor wish to board immediately. Yes, of course. As you know, our blockade is perfectly legal and we'd be happy to receive the Ambassadors.
2: Welcome, Masters and Padawans, to a special episode full of Sith. Uh This is Episode Two Seventeen, but it's special for other reasons. I'm your host, Brian, and I am decidedly not the mic pilot. Um, he could not join us tonight, and I'm here with with Holly Fry. Holly, how's it going?
3: Every day's a shiny new penny, Brian.
2: It really is. <laughs> um. So we're 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 going to have a special guest on the podcast this evening. Indeed. Uh, you might recognize him as a giant Star Wars nerd, but he is a NASCAR driver uh, and his name is Ryan Blaney and he's a giant Star Wars nerd.
3: That's our kind of people.
2: Yeah. He's going to have a cameo upcoming in the new cars film as well, which, uh, that should tell you his status as a NASCAR driver. He made it into a Pixar movie. Um,
3: truly the mark of, of success for everyone.
2: But he's young. I was reading up on that, and he was like, I was 12 when the first one came out, and I was like,
3: yes. Wait, he's which young. which first one? Cars. Oh, my goodness. I was thinking Star Wars still, and I was like, that's not that yet, but oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah, he's, no. So, he's
3: just a baby cabbage.
2: Yeah, so uh, so we're going to have some fun talking to him and talking about Star Wars, and you know, NASCAR and Star Wars have a lot of things in common, namely lots of things that go really fast. So,
3: we all have a need for speed.
2: Yeah. Don't we? So, why don't we uh why don't we bring them on the line and and start our chat?
3: Excellent. <laughs> okay. Hi Ryan. How are you? Good. How are you?
1: Oh, well,
2: thank you. Uh Ryan, uh the first thing I think we want to ask you is is what was your the, the first thing we ask sort of everybody we talk to on the show is, what was your first introduction to Star Wars?
1: Really how I got into it was, uh, you know, Phantom Menace came out in, in, I believe, 99, and I was 7 or 8 at the time, and, uh, you know, your mind is, is kind of still developing, and uh, I just thought it was really cool, whenever I went to go see it in theaters, and um, that part I, I highly enjoyed. So, uh, really, no one in my family was a fan of it, but uh, they never saw the originals, and um, I I, just, I don't know. I just highly enjoyed it as a kid, and uh, as I got older, I you know kept watching it, and uh, now that I'm 23, I I, I really enjoy it, and, and I like going to you know, rewatch them every couple of days and uh, just seeing what they're about. So, just something I enjoy, and um, something that's neat to me.
2: So, I mean, it's something that's obviously sort of uh captured you. I mean, following you on Twitter, like you've got like star wars rugs on your on your travel bus you got to meet daisy ridley like uh you, you do a podcast and the new show art for the podcast yep. is all star wars based i mean it, it sounds like it's a little bit more than, <laughs> than uh just that you sound a lot more like just a casual than than a casual fan
1: yeah yeah the uh, the artwork for a podcast is uh it's actually really cool i i came over that uh that's kind of the you know the push their work for the a new hope. And, uh, that was, that was pretty neat that we were able to do that and then get an artist to kind of design that and then get the okay, uh, to actually put that out into the public. So that was really cool to me, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I just highly enjoy it. I enjoy worlds like that of whether it's dad or, or Marvel and all the comic stuff. I, I just enjoy that fantasy side of it. Um, you know, I know not a lot of you know, NASCAR folks are, are like that, but, uh, uh-huh. I feel like it's something that kind of kind of makes me, um, makes me me. And, um, it's nice to meet fans that are, are, uh, enjoy that stuff as well.
3: What is your uh, favorite character? I have to ask.
1: Uh, okay. So I'm torn between two, but, uh, you know, my favorite favorites are, uh, you know, I'm a big Darth Maul fan because that was the first film I ever saw, uh, of the Star Wars films. And, uh, and then a Vader fan, so I guess I'm more of a dark side fan. But uh, those two always stuck out. But Darth Maul would probably be all, all my all time favorite, just because I, you know, he was he was the first kind of villain I ever saw in those movies, and uh, you know, part of one of the best lightsaber battles uh, out of the uh, out of all the movies. So uh, those those are my uh, those are my two favorites for sure.
2: Did you get to keep up with Darth Maul through the cartoons? Have you caught those yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just getting into the Clone Wars. Uh, And all that stuff. So it's uh, and rebels. So it's been cool to kind of see him develop. I'm happy they you know are he's still incorporated and involved in it. I feel like he's too good of a character to not uh, to not have in it. And I just got uh, I went to went to Marvel um up in New York. Their comics and they gave me a bunch of uh, Darth Maul comics. So I'm I'm reading up on the comics now. So they uh, they've been really cool to me. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty neat to see its character develop. I actually heard that there was a chance that they were making a video game about him and that got shut down and that uh that discouraged me when i heard that that have been really cool
2: yeah no i think that they were talking about that just before the sale of star wars to disney uh which which yeah it would have been it would have been pretty cool but i'm sure we'll see him in some video games sooner or later anyway
1: yeah i know he's going to be in uh, battlefront 2 so that's yeah. uh, that's pretty neat
2: so it sounds like you're you're really into the video game side of things as well
1: yeah, yeah, Battlefront was great. Um, I I personally like uh, the Force Unleashed. I one and two. I thought that was a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, uh So I, I you know, there, there has been a ton of recent Star Wars games that's come out, but uh, I'm looking forward to to uh, Battlefront two. I think that comes out in November, so I'm I'm really pumped to to get that and uh, and see what they got. I know there's a story mode now. I highly enjoy story modes on on video games and uh, kind of seeing that adventure. So I'm I'm uh, pretty pumped for that.
2: So with, with um, I mean, obviously your career racing, I mean, it's not, like, it's not like you just started. I mean, you've been doing this since you were a little kid, but watching uh, Phantom Menace as your first Star Wars movie, did, that, did the pod race sort of like connect to you on a, a level it probably didn't with, with other people?
1: Um, I don't know, maybe subconsciously it did. Uh, you know, that time when uh, Phantom Menace came out was about when I started racing. And, uh, you know, yeah, it, it might have kind of made something click, but I, I kind of always knew I was going to be a racist, when my dad did. But uh, I think it, you know, subconsciously, like I said, it might have might have definitely had some good relation right there. Uh, it was pretty much the same same age and time period. So, Is it,
2: I mean, there's no. some, Oh, go ahead, Holly. Oh, you go ahead, Brian. Well, I was going to say there's something, you know, all the Star Wars movies typically have, like, that scene where you're just going way too fast, like... I sort of call him George Lucas's hot rod scenes, right? And he was super interested in racing. And I was wondering, like, being a racer, like, what sort of scenes um, through the Star Wars movies like that are your favorite? I mean, whether that's the pod race or, like, the speeder bike chase in, in Return of the Jedi or uh, the Coruscant chase in Attack of the Clones or, or just those sequences where you're moving really
1: fast yeah yeah there's a bunch of, I mean you know you point out something good that it's uh it's really in hell but every Star Wars film there's at some point a chase whether it's through space or on a plant uh so I, I like to relate those you know and what we do and you know we like speed obviously and uh whenever they incorporate that in the movies yeah I think it's pretty cool uh but yeah the, the pod racing definitely uh I I personally enjoy whenever they go into light speed I think it's one of the coolest things and that kind of you know I wish we could say that I wish we were like could say I'm preparing for light speed and we can actually go faster from a, from a click of a button like that. But uh you know, I think that's uh, that's pretty neat.
3: Wait, you're telling me that's not how racing works?
1: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I really wish that's how it worked. That'd be so great. That'd be make that would make it so much easier.
3: Right? Uh because you are young enough to be in that demographic where your introduction was the prequel trilogy, I'm curious how you view the saga as a whole like you know some older fans really prefer the classic trilogy and some prefer the prequel trilogy and some are they just kind of pick and choose which ones are their favorite so i'm wondering where your which ones are your favorite and if they're the ones that you connected to when you were a kid
1: yeah well i get a lot of grief for this but personally my favorite will always be phantom Menace, just because it's the first one i saw um as a kid and that's just you know what i i personally liked and like i said darth Maul is my favorite character and uh, you kind of get introduced into what all it is. Because I, I didn't know at that young age, I had no idea there was the originals. I had no idea there was four, five, and six. At uh, that age, I just thought this was a new movie. And uh, they came out and um, they just kind of brought up here. But I think uh, that that will always be in my mind one of my favorites. Uh, Empire is is a, a really close favorite. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of have a, you know, I, I have a favorite of... Uh, you know, the prequels and then a favorite of the, the originals and um, you no, know, those, those go pretty close together. And honestly, Rogue One was, was fantastic. Uh, that's honestly one of my, that's probably third in, uh, in, in the order, but um, I think it's a pretty healthy group that I can, you know, that you like something from each time period and, and each kind of era of uh, of movie making. I think uh, that's a pretty healthy balance.
2: Yeah. You, you will not get any grief from us here for loving. <laughs> no. We're, Oh, good. I
3: appreciate we, it. I really
2: do. I, no, we both love it. No, yeah, I, good. There's something about Phantom Menace that has, like, um, it's almost like the most complete standalone Star Wars movie. Like, all the others are so interdependent, even A New Hope to a degree, on the others. But Phantom Menace is sort of the one that's the most standalone. It's the one you can watch on its own without, um, without needing the rest of it. And it's got such a, like, a lyrical quality. Like, the dialogue is so, just, like, it flows so well. I think it has, like, it might have the best soundtrack. Um, it's just, I really love Phantom Menace. So, if, if anybody gives you grief yeah. for it, you just tell them they're out of touch.
1: Right. All right. I will. All right, that that'd be my good argument from now on. That'd be good. <laughs>
2: um, speaking of the newer movies, like, like The Force Awakens, I was, I... Like as I was going through your your Twitter, I did see that that shot of you having met Daisy Ridley, and I was wondering if you wanted to, like if you
1: could tell oh. us how that went. Yes, yes. Oh, I mean, probably one of the best days of my life. Uh, so we were in in Los Angeles. We raced in uh, Fontana, California, in March, and I usually we have three races on the West Coast, uh, all in a row. So I usually stay out west, and, and you know, instead of traveling back and forth home. Uh, so I was in LA for the whole week. And I'm a big basketball fan. So I, got, I was able to get tickets to uh, the Lakers-Clippers game. And um, so me and my friend were leaving. And we had to walk through some kind of tunnel by where the players come out to get to an elevator to where our car was. And just who is walking back in the tunnel to get back to the game at the same time we are is Daisy Ridley. And I, I hate to be like... I don't really get like starstruck often or like ask for pictures, but like I, I had to, cause this is like my only opportunity probably to ever get a picture or talk to her. So I said, I really, I really hate to do this, but can I, can I have a picture? And she was very nice about it. She was like, yeah. And we talked for a second or two, And then we parted ways. But uh, that was really cool to, to see someone that you're a really big fan of, of, uh, you know, from their movies and things like that. And then, you know, those people be cool enough, you know, they get hassle all the time and, uh, to stop for a couple seconds and, and take a photo. That was that was really neat. So um, I, I, I was thinking to myself, the last person I feel like would be I'd see at a Laker Clipper game is Dave Ridley. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was pretty neat. It was pretty cool.
2: I imagine you go through that on in in certain places yourself though too, right?
1: More um, at, at racetracks, you know, at the track very rarely um, away from it. Um, you know, sometimes just kind of depends on the area. But, uh, yeah, at the racetrack, we deal with that stuff, and uh, it's, it's easy to relate. So that's, you know, it depends what mood you're in. You know, if I'm in a great mood, I'll talk to fans all day long. But if I'm not in the best mood, I, I just kind of want to get along with my day. And uh, I'm sure she was the same way, but I, I had to ask, which, uh, which makes it cool when she said yes. So
2: Have you um, have you had any desire to or interest in going to, like, a Star Wars celebration?
1: Yeah, I, I really wanted to go. Uh, I sat, it was actually our off weekend, so the last Star Wars celebration was in... Uh, was it in Orlando? Yeah, it was, it was Easter Orlando, weekend, right? Yeah, yeah and uh, I was planning on going, and then something came up, and I, I took a trip somewhere else, so uh, I missed that. I heard it was great, but um, I'll definitely have to make it out to one. You know, we don't get really many off weekends uh, throughout the throughout our season from February to November. Kind of the winter time is when we get our our downtime, but um, I would love to make it out to one. It, it'd be really, really fun to go ahead and see all that stuff and then meet some cool people. Uh, I would love to go.
3: So if that's your off time, you've probably been really happy with the the temporary switch to the December releases for movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we get our season ends about mid November, and you know, Battlefront Two comes out uh, in <laughs> November, and then Last Jedi comes out in December, and so like my off season is just going to be all about playing that game and watching Last Jedi like over and over again. So I have my off season like already pinned down of what I'm going to do.
2: So I want to, so, so so since you were on the road, I want to hear about what your first experience was like watching the, that, that trailer for the last Jedi, what your reaction to that was.
1: Yeah. So when, when it was released, that teaser trailer, um, I forget where I was, I forget what weekend it was released and, and what racetrack I was in, but, uh, I was just browsing through YouTube and all of a sudden it pops up on my feed and, Uh, i think i watched it five or ten times then obviously a day or two later all these people have easter eggs videos about it and spoilers and all that stuff and explain everything i like to watch those videos like you know because i i like to watch them a bunch but i don't really notice a ton of little things that other people notice and it's cool to watch those videos but i liked it you know it was definitely a teaser trailer for sure it didn't tell you much or to show you much of what uh, what it's going to be about. But um, hopefully we'll get a couple more here soon. But I like it; I think it's going to be great. I'm excited to see how everyone plays a role in it. I'm excited to see who Snoke is. I've heard some crazy theories of some fans. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, incredible theories. I'm sure you guys have heard it too. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it all plays out and uh, where the story goes. So who do you think Ray's
2: parents are?
1: Uh, I have no idea. I... I'm kind of in the same I think boat. She's a Kenobi. You think she's a Kenobi? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think so. I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be too scripted if she's Luke's daughter. I, I really feel like it'd be too scripted, but you never know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. People that uh, people say you know, she's a solo and you know, she's going to be Kylo's sister is I, I, so I don't know. I have no idea how that's going to work out. So, so I'm excited to, to see how, to, how the have a plot uh plays
2: out I got a question for you, like um Kevin Smith, uh the filmmaker, sort of talks about how like no matter where you go in the world, Star Wars is one of those like common languages you can find somebody to talk to about, like anywhere, and it sounds like yeah. you travel a lot, and I'm wondering if you've found that true and and is that different in in the sort of circles that follow uh NASCAR racers or or what what is that like from your perspective traveling around using Star Wars as that common language?
1: Uh, you know I've definitely met a lot of great people that are fans of NASCAR and of Star Wars as well, and you know not many drivers are are fans of it. You know there's one or two that have seen a few, but not a lot of drivers are fans of it that I can talk to you about um, or, or geek out about, but uh, you know some people and fans i've I've been able to meet, and, and uh, it's really cool to kind of relate what I do. You know, as a profession, and, and then talk things that we personally like, which in this case is Star Wars. Uh, so that, that that is really great that we can. So I, I would agree with that statement of that it's a universal language. There's always going to be Star Wars fans, no matter where you are in the world. Uh, and I think that's one of the few things, um, you know, global that you'll ever get. You know, languages are, are aren't known at all the way across the world, but I feel like I feel like you'll meet somebody in any part of the world that. You know, if you say Star Wars, it, it it they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> so I think it's pretty cool. Holly, did you
2: have something?
3: Uh, no. Oh, did okay. I make a noise?
2: No, I thought I thought you were gonna ask a question, but uh, I want to ask like, um, when the Force Awakens, when you heard that it was coming out, um, like it was probably the first time in a long time you were able to watch a Star Wars movie for the first time, right? And and that's sort of yeah. like a magical thing to be able to do that for the first time. And I'm wondering what what was the thing that that got you to react the most? I mean, what is it in these new movies that uh, that really that's really continuing to draw you in? You know, for me, it's it's very much the emotional side of things with Han and, and Ben, or with Rogue One. It was just everything because that movie was so sad and sweet. But what what is it that drags you through them?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you know, Rogue One and Force Awakens. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the first time I was able to see, you know, a brand new Star Wars in a very long time, and be old enough to kind of understand it, An idea of, of what uh, all of it's about and what the story is and things like that. You know, I know it as an adult, and um, that was that was really neat. You know, to hear the the opening theme music for Force Awakens in the theater was just unbelievable because you know it's been a long time to suffer that you know in theater form and uh to know what you're getting into and you know the long wait and the works and process that went into make this movie um it's pretty cool to me but i feel like i don't know it's it's a lot more emotional than people think i feel like it's you know it's a story of you know a lot of you know, kind of different opinions on things and you know light and dark and suffering and things like that something that really just you know got me in the you know, in the prequels is you see Anakin as a little boy and he gets through all this suffering with, you know, his mom dying. And, and there's so many things that build up inside of him and what makes them Darth Vader. And, and that, that is, is kind of pretty neat to see how someone can turn like that and, and turn evil with, uh, you know, certain you know circumstances and, and emotions and things like that. That always kind of drew me in. Uh, I thought that was really cool how they, how they did that. You know, some people say that the prequels aren't great or he didn't do a good job acting. I thought he did a great job. Uh, and you kind of see him turning throughout the whole three episodes and then, you know, eventually get to Darth Vader. But, uh, that that, you know, the emotional stories of, of, uh, everything going on is, uh, is kind of what keeps me coming back. And just to see what they come up with next is, uh, always keeps you curious.
2: So I'm, I'm hoping that when you went to Marvel, <laughs> they gave you some, uh, some, <laughs> I, I'm hoping they gave you the Han Solo comics, right? Because he's gone into racing. No, I didn't. I didn't get any of those. Oh wow! Oh my so goodness! You need to complain to Marvel. So so they did a whole <laughs> Han Solo mini series where uh, Princess Leia sort of sends him on this secret mission. But part of the mission is that he has to perform in this huge uh, spaceship race with the Falcon. Nice. It's really cool. Yeah, but but
3: yes. Yeah, so the whole rest of the Solo, comp, you know? the whole rest of the series plays out throughout the course of this really grueling race. It's quite lovely. Okay, now I'm gonna have to.
1: I'm going to get
2: on that um, for sure. Well, and then I was going to ask about Han Solo as well, because sort of that backstory in between episode six and episode seven is that once the, you know, once the, once the war is over, he just sort of leaves to go race while Leia does her government thing. And uh, there's been some really interesting storytelling there too. But I was wondering um, with with Han Solo being sort of the prototypical pilot you know, that that guy with that need for speed, is he like any of the sorts of people that you have to interact with as you're racing? Or is that just sort of a stereotype that people have in their heads?
1: Uh, I, I'd say more of that's a stereotype, for sure. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, what he does and what we do is a little bit different. But I, I, I feel like that's more of a stereotype uh, in people's heads in some, to some degree, uh, for sure.
2: It'd be cool if every NASCAR dra- driver was Han Solo,
1: though. Oh, no, really. that, I you... mean, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it'd be really cool if every <laughs> well, NASCAR driver was Han Solo. But, I
3: don't, I don't think that would be cool. <laughs> like, that's a lot of personality. I think if every driver were like that, you would have a lot more problems.
1: That is true. That is true. I feel like maybe you know a, a small balance, like maybe a quarter of them or an eighth of them can be,
3: right?
1: you that big of personalities, and then it just gets you know too much. If but all of us do.
2: the the question I was getting to though is how how did his death hit you? I'm always fascinated by this because I think it hit everybody in sort of a, a really different personal way
1: I, I I think you broke up for a second oh how did how broke did
2: Han solo's death hit you? I think it sort of hits everybody in that oh different personal
1: way yeah, you know that was a that was a tough one. Uh, honestly, I kind of saw it coming. Uh, when he walked out on the platform uh, to confront Kylo. You kind of see it, you are know, like, it's just kind of, kind of building up. You're like, Ugh, I don't know if that's a great idea. You know, obviously, obviously he knew what he was doing and trying to get his son back. Uh, but, I don't know, that kind of hit me of like, I wasn't, like, surprised. I was kind of just distraught because he's been a great character you know, for you know, he he built, he was a big part of building Star Wars and uh, was a huge character getting going and it was really cool that they could incorporate him in, uh, you know, the force awakens, but, uh, yeah, that, that definitely was it. Well, that was a rough one for sure. And and to see the reactions of the other characters as well, that that definitely made it a little bit rougher and then how much he meant, uh, to those characters as well. And then Chewie, uh, how, how sad he was. That, that was, that was rough, but, um, you know, that was definitely, uh, I was close, close to a tearjerker right there. Really close.
3: Really close. Not quite. You're not willing to to say that you
1: cried. (laughs) Not quite. Not quite.
2: I am. Oh, it made me bawl like a baby. So did Rogue One, man. Rogue (laughs) One, when they started, when when, when K2SO, like, closes the door and tells them that they need to start climbing, like, and he's saying climb, and you're like, wait a second, why is he saying climb? Oh, no, he knows what's coming. This is terrible. Like, yeah, I was bawling like a baby.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rogue One, them killing everybody off. I'm like, man, that's rough. And and the way they he went out, that was that was definitely a, a cool way to go out. It was really noble, uh, but it was definitely a, a sad moment. And um, that was that was pretty rough. But I, I thought, you know, Rogue One, they just kind of showed the the true grit of what it took to get these plans. Uh, I thought they they portrayed that in the, the most fantastic ways. But yeah, it was definitely. Uh, that's like pretty rough to watch all of Rogue One. Be like all these characters you fell in love with here for two hours are yeah. <laughs> dying. I'm like, man, how did that?
3: Yeah, I... <laughs> oh, but... go ahead, Holly. Oh no, you go ahead. I think yours is going to follow on that.
2: No, I was going to say, how did, I was going to say, how, how did Rogue One change your viewings of a new hope after that?
1: Oh, I thought they tied it in beautifully of, okay, Rogue One ends or Rogue One ends. And then I hope it like 10 minutes later, it starts. I thought that was awesome. And don't even get me started into the ending of Rogue One. That was the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my life with Darth Vader, and it was like the best, best, one of the best scenes I've ever seen in movies in general. Uh, but I thought it, it definitely showed a good. It, it was a um, showed a good, good thing of what happened in like the gap. You know, all of a sudden you, know, you see a new hope, and you're like, well, okay, how did they get these plans, and what did they go through to get these plans? I thought they they showed it incredibly of what they had to go through to go through these plans, to get these plans and deliver them uh, to Leia, I thought that was, that was awesome. The way that they kind of tied all that together.
2: That, that, that moment with Vader is amazing, but I would almost argue that the moment, his first moment in the movie is better when you realize where he's chosen to put his castle and all yes. of the emotional yes. weight that goes with that. Like this is where he thinks he killed his wife this is where he turned into a monster and this is where he goes for relaxation or meditation or healing or whatever. I think that said so much about Vader. It made him so much more of an interesting character.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I thought that just, you know, they initially show that scene and it takes you like a second or two to realize it. Yeah. Uh, where he is. And it's, you're like, Oh, that is pretty incredible. Actually. That's awesome that he chose to put his castle there for sure.
2: I love how they're uh, my, really surprising us.
3: <laughs> my question was going to be a silly gear change, which is that working under the presumption that your career skills could translate into piloting spaceships, uh, would you choose the Falcon or an X-Wing or something else to pilot, if you could only pick one?
1: Uh, probably go X- X-Wing. Yeah. For sure. You know, the Falcon is, you know, it's a pilot junk. <laughs> <Right>. and, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I think X-wing would be pretty good. I I would enjoy uh, seeing what that's like to to do that, or a, a Tie Fighter would be pretty cool. To be honest with you, and see see the differences between the two. But uh, X-wing or Tie Fighter, I, I'd enjoy doing.
2: Nice. Those are those are pretty classic answers. I kind of want like those Royal uh, N one Naboo Starfighters, the yellow ones. Oh, they're so pretty. Are, if nothing else, those are the prettiest looking ships to, to, drive, yeah. or to fly. I agree. Those are nice. They're gorgeous. So one thing I think star Wars does for a lot of people, um, is it sorts of, it, it sort of helps inform the person they are and sort of what, uh, I don't want to necessarily say, uh, morals and ideals, but I'm, but I'm going to, but like, what is it? What is it? Star Wars has taught you like in your life?
1: Um, you know, it, there's kind of, kind of goes back to the subconscious thing as a kid watching out of know, popular lessons in there that you don't really think are lessons, but they apply to your life right now. Um, you know, of, of, you know, whether it's not dealing in absolutes or, uh, being open-minded and, um, you know, always kind of thinking of two sides. I, I feel like one of the biggest things is there's always two sides to, to every situation. And you definitely see that with the dark and the light side of, Okay, there's two opinions and, and there's two ways to look at things and uh whether they're right or wrong you should you should look at both of them. Uh I feel like that's one of the biggest things. Growing up as a kid, uh and even now of you know, it kinda of sticks with you and then you have to look at both sides of it and uh you know kinda of weigh the odds of, of everything and, and um you know not just kinda of be stuck one way, you have to be open minded.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's one of those things that like uh for me just every movie has something, whether that's, uh, you know, like you alluded to earlier, how fascinating it is to watch someone who's such a good person as as Anakin sort of get led down that path to see how easily, you know, to wonder and worry myself, like, to check myself and say, like, am I going down that path because I think I'm a good person and am I I doing these things for the right reasons, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that for sure.
3: Uh, I'm curious, since you mentioned that, how you feel about all of the, the discussion that's been going on since the uh, last Jedi trailer dropped about Luke saying that there is no more future for the Jedi, and where you think that sort of follows and where you weigh in on the, the balance of the Force arguments.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, for sure. I, I feel like, you know, that 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 statement at the end that he said was kind of threw a lot of people off guard. Kind of threw a lot of people off guard, and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen, and um, you know what he meant by that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a great, uh, great answer for that right now. Maybe in a little bit when they come out with another trailer, but it's just going to be interesting to see what what he meant by that and, and how they're going to work that into the movie.
2: Yeah. No. It's it's really I I it's I think this movie is going to be like a mind bender. I really think the last Jedi is going to play with us,
3: I hope so. I love those.
2: well, if you look at the kind of movies that Ryan Johnson makes, he's very good at
3: exactly. them exactly
2: um, one thing I wanted to ask was uh you know are, like as far as star wars I think what what is it you think star wars has has done for you like what has it I, 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 that's a weird question. I mean, like for me, um, you know, it, it helped me get through some of the bad times that I had in my life or it, it's helped me, introduce me to some of the people that I like the most. And this, it's how I met Holly. It's how I met a lot of people. I mean, it's why we're talking and I'm wondering, you know, what is it that Star Wars, how does Star Wars make your life better other than just being a movie?
1: that's just something I enjoy watching. Um, you know, I've met some great people, like I said, uh, from that and interacting with them and being able to talk to them about whether it's theories or movies or what they like and don't like about the movies. And, um, you just meet people along the way and, uh, and get to kind of hear their opinions on things. And, uh, you know, that, that to me, I think is really cool that you can meet friends and, uh, and great personalities from just movies and, and fantasy and, um, and come together and have a, a mutual enjoyment for something, or a mutual kind of disagreement. Uh, and it's fun to kind of argue about them things. But uh, just the people you meet along the way and, and get to know the storyline—that uh, that to me has been pretty cool to have that. Um, you know, from from those films.
2: What What's the thing that you've had the biggest arguments about with Star
1: Wars? <laughs> uh, uh, just usually the the prequels, first the originals, and all that stuff, and. Uh, you know why do you like Phantom Menace so much and all that stuff? And that's usually the biggest one that I, I, I uh, you know, have to defend uh, on a regular basis whenever I, whenever people ask me what my favorite one is, and I, I tell them Phantom Menace. So that, uh, that's probably the biggest argument I've ever had over the, over the films. If you need you help s- with that,
3: <laughs> I was just gonna say he should crib off of you. Brian is excellent at shutting those people down, so he will. Oh, good. prep a script good. Maybe for you I'll- and have it ready.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll go for your. Well, maybe I need your help here and get a, get some lines for me and some facts and and figure out what uh, what I can do to to shut those people down. That'd be nice. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean the two big ones probably that you hear a lot are Jar Jar and midi right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's like everyone just goes to Jar Jar. I'm like, yeah, he was a bad character, but but you know what you he tell didn't ruin them. the movie.
2: You, well, you tell him right. Without Jar Jar, we wouldn't have the Ewoks defeating the Empire at the end of Return of the Jedi. well oh, that's true. Because you've I got done that. like Qui Gon. Qui Gon is like like Jar Jar is this is this character who who no one likes. He's supposed to be unlikable, and no one wants him around. And Qui Gon is the only person who sees that like value and worth in him. So like the the whole idea the lesson Jar Jar is supposed to tell is that it doesn't matter if you think someone is worthless, like they are worth treating with dignity. And then he's able to bring the Naboo and the Gungans together. And then as the Jedi are sort of derailing as Palpatine is making his moves, Palpatine sees that and says, Hey, I can do that too. And that's how Jar Jar gets involved with, with Palpatine uh, as far as giving him the army he needs. But when you look at like Yoda, after the destruction of the Jedi, how he's trying to figure out what exactly went wrong. Who's the person he's talking to on Dagobah the whole time. It's Qui-Gon and qui Gon's going to be telling him every lesson he, he can. So how does Yoda act when, when Luke shows up for the first time, he's acting like Jar Jar and Luke fails that test. And this is supposed to be terrifying to us. And Luke doesn't, like learn this lesson until later when they, they meet with the Ewoks and Han is ready to kill all of the Ewoks. And Luke's like, no, let's, let's, uh, I've seen this play out before. Maybe they can help. We don't like, we're underestimating them. And it's because Jar Jar taught that lesson to Qui-Gon who taught it to Yoda, who taught it to Luke. Otherwise they'd have all just been eaten by Ewoks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That's something I have to argue with, uh, and figure out a good that's that's a good comeback to yeah. what, uh, what I'm arguing. It's taken sure. a while for but me to that's, that's to,
2: to fine tune that one, but no.
1: yeah, <laughs> um. but, uh, Hey guys, I appreciate you talking to me. I got to uh, I got to run and do some things. Okay, but, perfect. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. Really yeah, quickly, thank you. do you want
2: to tell people where they can find you if if they're looking for you and where your podcast is?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm uh, just at at Blaney uh, on Twitter. And I'm Ryan Blaney ten on Instagram, and uh, my podcast is actually on the NASCAR website. So um, it's called Glass Case of Emotion. So that uh, that's something that uh, I enjoy doing. But um, yeah, go go check our podcast out. It's, uh, it's usually a pretty good time.
2: Okay, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks so much, yeah, Ryan. It's been so much fun. So yeah, that was uh, that was Ryan. Uh, he was uh, he was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting getting perspectives from different sorts of star wars fans um especially in situations where they might not be surrounded by people who necessarily like it
3: i know it's it's one of those things that i I have been on this earth long enough to know that it should not be surprising to me when I discover that there are whole herds of people that are not into star wars <laughs> but it always yeah, does still
2: it, it's weird to me yeah <laughs> um but, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of Star Wars going on, though. And yes. And we have been keeping up. And, and I think part of the reason we do this is because we need people to talk to Star Wars about, or t- talk Star Wars with. Always. So, uh, uh, I I know there's been some books out lately. There has. I, I, f- it-
3: I feel like we're in the midst of an embarrassment of riches. Like, for the first time in a very long time i'm like oh i can't keep up with all the good star wars books like what (laughs) uh it's wonderful i love it
2: yeah no absolutely um i'm still i'm still reading rebel rising i Um, just
3: finished it today
2: oh yeah how was it
3: i loved it
2: i'm uh i'm like five or six chapters in
3: i really really loved it it went to some surprising and interesting places so i hope you like it too
2: um, I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. I saved it for last, and I'm not sure why. Um, like, Thrawn was, like, the top priority, and then for some reason, well, no, it's because Guardians of the Will seemed like it would be easy and fast to read. Yeah. And then I moved to Rebel Rising, and now I think I'm probably going to finish it this weekend.
3: See, I do a weird thing where I read several books simultaneously. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I have some sort of attention issue, but, like, I will, um, it's one of my rules, because I do so much research for work, and I'm reading all the time, and I kind of get to that point where I'm like, I don't want to read anymore, even for fun, uh, where I just make myself read five pages of anything that is not history-related every night, like, I can read more than five pages, but I have to minimum get that in. Um, but it's been really, really fun, because juggling those three, Thrawn and Rebel Rising and Guardians of the Wills, has kind of had some interlocking fun going on.
2: Well, and I i, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit now. I know we want to get Mike in for the Thrawn discussion, uh, or for the big discussion about all of these, really. But, uh, man, that Thrawn book. Yeah. Did it... Uh, it was basically Sherlock Holmes, right? Like, like where Thrawn was sort of like, I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be the, the Holmes of the Moriarty.
3: Right. Well, I, uh, I've told a number of people, I feel like the first chapter of that book just on its own would be the most excellent thriller movie. Like the whole thing with all of the guys in the woods and trying to figure out what's picking them off. And, uh, the way that's paced is really, really delightful and, and unravels in a really um, suspenseful way that that actually pays off. Uh, so I love that.
2: And I uh, love but- how Thrawn explains it later. He's just like, it was simple. I was doing this, this, and this, as though it should have been the most natural thing in the world.
3: <laughs> right. To him, it was not a game of cat and mouse. It was just what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's just Tuesday. I don't, I don't know. Isn't that how you do it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. And I actually listened to the audio book, which was interesting because um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's an interesting um, convention used in the book to kind of get you into Thrawn's mindset, which is that there are small excerpts that are told that are his internal monologue. Um,
2: yeah.
3: And I'm curious, I think you're reading the
2: actual physical book. Yeah. So all of that was italicized.
3: Right. So it, I think most people that have listened to the audiobook, I've seen a couple other people talking about it online. They initially, you have that moment of what the heck is going, oh, I see. And then once you get it, it all makes sense. And the so, way, the way it's read, he, the, the narrator shifts gears a little bit vocally so that you can tell it's like, oh, this is his sort of Sato interior voice. Uh, otherwise, I would be very confused, I think.
2: So, I'm going to assume he's really good at doing the voices. The guy who read it, that was Mark Thompson, right?
3: Yes. And he is, he's excellent at the voices. Um, that's one of the things that always kind of blows me away listening to, to any of the star Wars audiobooks. They have people that are doing such good vocal gymnastics to try to represent every single character in a unique way. And they really do some amazing work.
2: Um, well- and and that was fascinating because somebody actually posted in a full of Sith group, like, man, they got some of the voice actors to do this.
3: Yeah. And well, it because was like, is he that good? He sounds almost exactly like Thrawn does on Rebels. Uh, with, really? um Is it Lars Mickelson? Yeah. I can't remember if I have the first name right. But yeah, he sounds almost exactly the same. He's quite good.
2: Man, I almost want to listen. I have a hard time listening to books because I absorb the information, um, like I'm a, a visual word, like, I, I don't want to say I'm a visual learner, but I'm a reader learner, right. if that makes right. sense.
3: It absolutely does. Um,
2: and so I just need to see the words on the page to see how they're constructed to soak it in the most. And uh, so I have a hard time with, with audiobooks sometimes, but uh, I should really read listen to some of these.
3: Yeah, I have a similar thing with audiobooks. And what I often end up doing is I both... Get the audiobook and the physical book because part of the reason I started doing audiobooks. You and I actually talked about it when I was like, I feel like I'm cheating because I am a reader, but I don't have time to sit and read. But I do have a commute, and you were like, just give in and do it. Like you'll stay up to date, and um, that was good advice, Brian. But oh, uh, you're,
2: you're, <laughs> I, I'm glad.
3: Uh, but I find myself having moments where I get frustrated. One, sometimes it's a delivery thing. They're all doing great jobs, but you know how when you read something, you have your own head narration? And Mm -hmm. sometimes the way anybody else reads it, it's again, it's not a judgment against the, the level of quality they're providing. It's just it will be a different cadence than your natural read would be. And sometimes that gets me a little bit. But the thing that really makes me a little bit um, crazy sometimes that makes me also get the physical book is that I want to see how all of the proper names are spelled. Yes. Like, I, I literally will have a but moment that, where where I'm listening to the book and I'm like, ooh, I want to tweet about that. I don't know how to spell this name.
2: <laughs> I mean, isn't that part of like... I mean, that's the part of the the writing instinct, though, right? Like, you're a writer. You write things a lot. And so... Everything needs to be right. Um,
3: well, you wouldn't think so to look at half of my writing. I'm a little bit sloppy with the typos, but, uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I read I, a won... lot
2: of your writing doing for authentic history, and I haven't noticed anything <laughs> too out of order.
3: <laughs> I, everybody There's the has occasional typos. sentence that
2: just drops off three words it, in, but
3: it's true because I get busy thinking of another thing. Um, and that happens. I do the same thing. I like that you just threw me into the bus with that. That was real nice, young. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's... Hey, thing. this
2: is payback for being, me being a murderer.
3: Well, I didn't... I'm just saying you have the bloodlust. I didn't say you were a murderer. But anyway, uh, I do... I do that work a lot of times if I'm writing... And I do it to uh, my co-host on Stuff You Missed in History Class, Tracy, from time to time. I will literally be mid-sentence on something and I'll go, ooh, and I'll think of a way that I want to augment or punch up another section of the, the writing and I'll go back to that, but then I'll forget that I left that other thing dangling. It's not good. And then sometimes even when I read through on my uh, my review reads, it's like my brain just fills in the rest of the sentence and I don't type it out. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I no, know no, no, a, no, a no. I, 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 I do
2: exactly the same thing, especially when I'm writing <laughs> prose, where I'll get caught up on one sentence and think I've finished it because I'm so excited about the next one. And then... Yeah, 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 um, yeah.
3: But anyway, so yeah, that's uh, seeing the physical words so that I can kind of process their spellings and what they look like visually is the one thing that I really, really miss with audiobooks. Yeah. so that's that's why I have to get both copies.
2: Um, but Thrawn though, yeah, wow.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I um was very surprised really at sort of where it went. And it's interesting that it's uh, one of those books, and I don't think we're giving away anything particularly, but, uh, you know, where Thrawn has kind of been lauded for years in fandom as like one of those great kind of snaky genius villains. But in this, he's so super likable. Yeah. Um like he's not like cuddly bunny, it doesn't play against his character. But one of the things that I tweeted, and I legitimately kept thinking it, was Thrawn is a great boss. Yeah. <laughs> like the people that work under the under him, he encourages them. Like he doesn't expect them to be perfect. He just wants them to learn from their mistakes. He, you know, wants to provide them with uh the Proper recognition, but also the tools to do their jobs and to be good at their jobs. I'm like, this is an ideal management situation. Everybody would want to work for him.
2: No, I. It's weird that there's only one moment where that that veneer is sort of pulled off. Yeah, where you're like, oh yeah, he's a bad guy.
3: He's he's uh, ruthless. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um and it was I mean it's a pretty innocuous moment too and I don't I mean I don't want to get into it in case people still haven't read the book Yeah um but uh there's 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 a situation with some slaves um and his reaction was less than heroic
3: Yes, and I really liked, um, I am blanking out on the character's name, I can look it up. That um, Eli Vanto? Yeah, I really thought, like, as a, a story mechanism, that Watson? was really... Uh, well, yes, Watson. But also just in terms of, um, like I said, it, this book makes Thrawn very likable, but you never think, like you could just hang out with him and be buddies. And part of that is because they use Vanto as, like, the the foil in terms of, like, the contrast to, like, here is a kid from a backwater planet who is very bright, but he just, he sees things through, for lack of a better word, human eyes, whereas, you know, Thrawn still has that chiss kind of distance on things emotionally, and it, it's, that contrast really plays nicely, I think.
2: I really loved, uh, I, I loved their interplay and I, I think Tim has done a much better job. Um When I first read the Air to the Empire trilogy, I kind of felt Thrawn was a little bit of a cartoon, right? Where it was like Thrawn was too perfect at everything, and it was very much like, well, the rebels uh the, the rebels uh exist and there was a shipment of grain to this planet and I wipe with using this brand of toilet paper so clearly they're on Cybisti
0: or whatever. <laughs> like
2: like that's kind of how his thought process was. But in this I think Tim Tim tim's Zahn has done a much better job of like um making it way more realistic and, and Sherlock Holmes like than than he, he's not making any leaps. Everything is very logical.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting that uh, I had seen a couple people talking online, I think in the Full of Sith discussion group, that uh, they felt like Thrawn was kind of a, a overly perfect, like he was so good at, uh, as a tactician, that he, you know, succeeded in his every mission, even though, like, the Empire is not so big on aliens, but... Yes, he's really good at that angle, but th- you see his flaws in terms of, like, how he deals with other people and communications and how that's really... He's not perfect by any means. He's really good at one thing, um, but he has a lot of flaws, so I was a little surprised to see people talking as though he did not.
2: No, I mean, like, I, I think it was really interesting in this how he has, comp- like, no political savvy. Yeah! <laughs> Like, none whatsoever, and he's oblivious to it, and it's a blind spot to him.
3: Yeah, not only is he bad at it, he doesn't even know when he's hurting his own career by just being kind of a, a, I don't want to say a buffoon, because that's not right, it suggests cartoonishness, but he's just completely, like you said, it's his blind spot, he's unaware, and he's almost... um,
2: It's Dunning-Kruger effect.
3: He, yeah, he's so blunt and brusque, but he to him that's just the way you communicate. So he's keenly unaware of what he's doing in terms of damaging his relationships with higher ups.
2: Yeah, no, I I really I really loved the way the political intrigue uh, played out. I really loved the span of time it covered, and I really, 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 really want to know the story of how he came into contact with Anakin Skywalker.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's hinted at in the book, and certainly I hope that portends that we will get a fleshed-out really, well, the, really...
1: The
2: ending of the book sort of promised more. Yes. And the hints of things that we got even further in his backstory promised more. I would love to see Thrawn put the pieces together. Like, if anybody can guess that Vader's Anakin, it's going to be Thrawn.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that would be
2: Uh, interesting to see them teamed up.
3: Yes. Or even just to see that sort of psychological dance of like, I know who you are. I kind of know your secrets and your weaknesses and try to negotiate that between the two of them would be interesting.
2: That was one of the things I really loved about Tarkin, where Tarkin was trying to put those pieces together.
3: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, I will I'm about to confess something that maybe makes people think I'm an idiot and sometimes I am so that's fine it took me way too long to figure out that Arinda Price was Governor Price
2: <laughs> Holly Fry I know
3: it it was one of those moments where i realized it way late in the book and i was like oh i felt like fry from futurama i was like oh now i get it and then like 10 minutes later i was like oh now i get it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah no that was uh i guess maybe reading it helped in that in that
3: maybe 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 uh And that may be one of those moments where the the voices in the audiobook worked against me a little bit. Like, in putting those pieces together, they just didn't sound the same, so my brain didn't make that connection. Um, But I did love and abhor all of the people involved, all of the political intrigue that surrounds her. Um, It made me feel very icky and gross about all of them, but it was really good.
2: Yeah, I, I really liked it.
3: <laughs> uh, I really, really liked it. I, I will say of the three that were that are, all came out sort of close together. So that and Guardians of the Wills and Rebel Rising. I'm trying to think of which one I like best. And it's one of the young adult books, but I can't decide which one yet because I haven't finished Guardians of the Wills. Uh, I should be doing that in the next two days, probably.
2: Um, I really liked Guardians of the Wills.
3: I feel like the the tone of that is pitch perfect. Like Rucka nails it completely.
2: Yeah, and that's really all the book is. I mean, it's tone. It's it's an idea and a tone, and it's it's a pretty brisk read.
3: Yeah, yeah, you can whip right through it.
2: And it, uh, I mean, it's got some really interesting. Um, uh, it, it's got some really interesting interplay between characters I didn't necessarily think had interacted.
3: Yes, it definitely makes some moments in Rogue One have a lot more meaning.
2: Which is what I love about this new batch of like how what they're doing with the canon.
3: I do too. I think it it makes every every piece gets richer with every new thing that comes out.
2: Yeah, I oh, love it. Which is why I'm actually really excited to finish reading uh, Rubber Rising.
3: I know you make me want to go run and finish this thing and finish Guardians of the Will sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah. Well, um, that's probably it for this episode. Sounds good. Which has been a blast. I always enjoy talking Star Wars with you, Holly.
3: Likewise. I feel so lucky to have you in my
2: life. You and Mike both. And and I like talking Star Wars with new people, too.
3: Me, too. Me too. I like knowing that Ryan is just now getting into the animated stuff because I feel like he's got such a delicious ride ahead of him.
2: Oh no, kidding! I I wanted to tell him, uh, except he had to go. Like the season two finale of of Rebels is going to blow his mind yeah. if his two favorite characters are <laughs> Vader and Maul.
3: Yeah, exactly. The season
2: two finale. I'm so excited. Like mm-hmm. I will have to, um, we'll have to put it out on Twitter that he needs to get a hold of us once he watches that because it's going to his head is going to explode.
3: Yeah, he'll be quite delighted, I suspect.
2: Um, So do you want to tell people where they can find you?
3: No, of course. (laughs) I'm just being silly. Uh, Yeah, I am at Girl on Twitter and you can find me at my day job podcast Stuff You Missed in History class at MissedInHistory.com which will connect you with all of our social media which is Missed in History across pretty much all of the social media spectrum. And then I do another podcast with you called History.
2: Which is a whole barrel of monkeys worth of fun.
3: It's very silly and fun uh, where we act like fake history, fictional history is real. And that's at Fauthentics on uh, Twitter. What about you? Where else can people find you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Swankmatron. You can find my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Swankmatron, which I always feel really bad about like mentioning and stuff because like, mm. I feel like I'm holding a cup out and begging for money. But I'm selling you short stories, that's what it is. Yeah. Um but uh you can you can find me there and that would be awesome. And uh you can find my writing on big shiny robot and starwars.com and uh a bunch of other places. Uh but if you follow me on on Twitter, I will direct you to the right places. Hooray! Um, so for Full of Sith, uh, we would love to hear from you. If you want to leave us a voicemail on our, uh, using our SpeakPipe app on our website, you can go to fullofsith.com. You can find us on Twitter at Full of Sith and on Facebook. And we've got our Facebook group that has like thousands of people in it where we just talk about Star Wars stuff all day on Facebook, uh, which is a lot of fun. And uh, you, we would love it if you would review us wherever you download your... Uh, podcasts and uh, I don't know is there anything else Holly
3: I think you covered all the bases sir
2: okay well then um, uh, for this week for my co-host Holly Fry for Mike who we wish could have been here tonight for Ryan Blaney who was kind enough to give us uh, some of his time tonight uh, for episode 217 of full of Sith, I am Brian young and the force will be with you always
0: If you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. 18- plus.